going on welcome back to the dead screen podcast well a special weekend edition of the dead screen podcast i'm your host merjani rawls hope everybody is safe hope everybody is staying at home for this episode i am joined by my friend brad clover brad say what's up hey what's up everybody and i think it's the first time anyone's actually got my name right what are you talking about i i don't, I, I Pe- don't people pronounce my name horribly all the time you actually got it right no i'm saying it's awesome oh really what <laughs> no what do they what do they usually say what your last name is clower clear when i used to play sports all the time in the papers would be clover really clear yeah, yeah. clower they think it's like french or something they try to like get all fancy with it it's like no it's clower no, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but always have you're like the first person to actually like verbally say my last name correct. All right, um, that's crazy because you have an L and an O in your name. How do you get clear? You know, I don't no know. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Well, yes, Brad has been a friend of mine for a long time. Uh, he also does the artwork, the stellar artwork for the episodes for Dead Screen Podcast. We're going to be talking about some of his favorite things. We're going to talk some wrestling because it is uh, WrestleMania weekend. Had that WrestleMania fever. Well, it may, well, it's weird because it doesn't feel well because you're dealing with the coronavirus. WrestleMania is taped. It's two nights and it's at the Performance Center, so it doesn't really feel like WrestleMania weekend. There's no takeover, so like. It's weird. It's a weird. I don't. I can't explain it. I. I just don't know. And also, uh, he's a huge Alien fan. So we're gonna talk a little bit about the first three films, Aliens one, two, and three. Uh, the only three that matter. <laughs> Wait, you don't like uh, the prequels? We saw. When we talk about that. We'll talk about it. But no, I. I do like the prequels. It's just that. I'm a huge trilogy fanboy. I get you. Uh, especially because Alien 1 and Alien 2 are in GOAT territory. Especially 2, because a lot of people regard 2 as one of the greatest sequels of all time. Rightfully so. Um, I want and for to me, ask... it, Go ahead. I've actually, I'm probably one of the only people that don't really see it as a sequel. Because I actually saw Aliens first. Okay. And the funny story about that is back in the day, you had the VHS tapes. Yeah. And, and you know how they always gave you the little white overlay stickers so you could label them? Mm-hmm. My father was horrible at labeling stuff. And I was probably 
six-ish. It's probably like 1986 or 87 after it was like only a year out on TV because it came out like 85. Mm-hmm. Woke up middle of the night, couldn't sleep. So as a kid, you, you sneak downstairs, watch cartoons or something. I grabbed the VHS tape that was not properly labeled. It was my dad's copy of Aliens. I watched the entire thing alone in the dark as a kid. And from then, that's where my love for the movie came. And my dad actually woke up at some point, came down to come get me, and actually stayed and watched the rest of it with me. So I actually saw Aliens before I saw Alien. That's interesting. We'll get into that in a little bit. I wanted to ask you about wrestling a little, you know, for a second. Um, First of all, like, since these shows, like, both AEW and WWE, they've been taped. They've been without crowds and everything like that. Have you been watching wrestling? Have you found that your interest has waned a little bit because of it? I checked out the first... Two episodes, or well, first episode of each brand, WWE and AEW, because I was curious to see how they were going to go about this. And uh, at first, the first take, just quickly, WWE felt more of a uh, a recap special. Okay. And the first episode of AEW was actually kind of refreshing because they didn't have the strict guidelines of, uh, I guess, people ratio in a, in a room. So, actually, I appreciated all the wrestlers who weren't wrestling. They were kind of on the sidelines. You had, like, the, the bad guys on the one side, the good guys on the other side. And they were kind of doing their own entertaining thing while the matches were going on. Like, uh, you had uh, MJF and uh, Sean Spears betting. They had to cash out. They were trying to bribe the bad guy wrestlers and make their bets on each match and stuff. So, it was still kind of entertaining. The WV shows seemed more like a... Uh, a show that you'd have before, like a pay-per-view, like where they just go back and recap everything, like the, like the take, like the the uh, NXT shows directly after a pay-per-view. Okay. It's always like more of a recap special. It was okay. So, for WrestleMania, like I know you've like heard about it. Do you feel like a necessary need to watch it out of you? Do you just being curious, or the fact that it's it's Saturday night and there's nothing Saturday and Sunday night, excuse me, and there's nothing really on. I it's I have the network. I get it free. I'm gonna check it out just because of the I wanna see how bad I think it's going to be. And it's it's sad to say, but like I have no expectations whatsoever. And it's like, oh, you're you're older now. Wrestling isn't you know as cool anymore to you. But no, I mean I've had lots of hype before other pay per views. I was excited to see. They have such they had originally before the pullouts and all this other stuff. They have problems with. It was a really promising card that actually had me excited. I've been more of a AEW watcher recently because it is just something newer. It might not technically be so much better, but it's just newer, newer faces, newer matches, so on and so forth. But the WrestleMania card was really promising, but now it's like, I don't know. It's not really exciting. Well, like the main think? thing I want, Drew McIntyre, I feel, I was really like wanting to see that moment. But you can't have those moments if there's no one to have it in front of, you know? Yeah, I thought that was kind of the problem with having the taped WrestleManias. Like, I understand that they had to do something, you know, like... I don't know, especially with how sports are, because 
if you look at like college football and the NFL, these are really in question whether they're going to have seasons or not. You know what I mean? Because you, you can't have a huge amount of people congregate, especially with players and locker rooms. Yeah, stuff, the, without they're having, sweating on each other. The direct contact might be some blood. You don't know what can happen. Yeah. So you you may not. I don't even know if you know. God willing, like this might be an extended off season for wrestling. So I know that they were in a tough spot. Uh, having WrestleMania, like I know a lot of people were conflicted with in in terms of Drew. Uh, I would I, I agree with you there. Like he would. I think a lot of people have pegged him for winning the the title. You know what I mean? Like and it's like Lesnar, but I would rather it being. Kind of like that Royal Rumble thing that he had where, like, it was a big moment. The crowd is there. Maybe you have, like, fireworks. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, to make that championship, his first WWE and for the, championship the reign. story aspect, like, he was originally pegged as one of, like, Vince's, like, top guys. He failed in the company, left the company, went on his journey, came back. NXT rose through that. And he, it builds and builds. Now he's got this WrestleMania moment that isn't so much of a huge moment anymore. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, it's, I, I'm trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, you know, let's talk about a couple of the matches. Uh, I'll just say uh, The Undertaker versus AJ Styles. Uh, Another to- match I originally was looking forward to because, you know, Taker hasn't given us amazing matches recently. No one expects him to. He's beat up, you know, he's old. But AJ is that guy who could have carried him through this match and, like, put on something really special. And now, like, I feel the Boneyard thing was a spur-of-the-moment gimmick they had to think of of to kind of, like, because they can't really have a real match. Well, you with The Undertaker, he's... How old is he? He is... He's 55. Okay, and AJ Styles, whether while he can still kind of go, his he's uh, I mean forty something, right? Yeah, he's, he's like forty two. Yeah, he's forty two. Like with injuries and stuff like that, like his best days may not be in front of him. Let's just say, like he could still. Yeah, I mean, he just dislocated out. his shoulder taking a spear. You know, he could still try to like he could still pull out a good match here and there. Uh, he could sell. He could definitely sell Undertaker's moves. You know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and with the Undertaker, he's still a WrestleMania draw. He only, and rightfully, he only really comes back for like the big pay per views, which is cool. I, I think I found the promos uh, going with this. I, I found them entertaining. Like they, AJ Styles and Undertaker, like they're bringing the the personal. Yeah, they're they're great promo guys. Uh, as far as the match, I think it's going to be. It should be a sprint, not like 10, 10, 12 minutes. You know what I mean? Because I don't know if Undertaker could really work a 30-minute match with AJ. Yeah, no, that is true. Plus, you have Anderson Gallows that could help speed it up, interference, all that stuff. And you would assume, like, you know, Kane would probably come and and probably get involved, too, because Undertaker Mm -hmm. alluded to that. Uh, Yeah, I I mean... Now, here's what I was wondering, too, like... Do you think they're, like, especially WWE, are going to film the matches, like, traditionally, like, the angles and all that stuff? Or, like, when I heard the Boneyard idea, I I automatically thought of 
the House of Hardy. Well, they and those kind of matches how they were more cinematic. With that, with, okay. Uh, for what I understand, this WrestleMania is going to be in multiple locations. And then for what Triple H has said recently, that there could be some live stuff in between. Now, it's probably going to be promo stuff because all the wrestlers have at, are at home. They've been at home since last Thursday, I believe. Uh, so they could do something, but like all the match stuff is already filmed. So like with that match, I, I kind of wish that they would have like fought each other maybe like ten years ago. <laughs> That would have been really dope. Uh, like to see AJ in his prime versus like the Undertaker in a semi prime. Maybe like if you would have got Undertaker before those triple, those brutal ass Triple H matches. Remember them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I know when I looked at this match, I knew <laughs> I specifically circled this John Cena versus The Fiend. Uh, I know Bray Wyatt is one of your favorite wrestlers. Let me ask you. <sighs> I, yeah, I, 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 I know. <sighs> so let me ask you your overall thoughts on the Fiend and how that went down. Man, that was one of the the, the most recent, most more refreshing pieces of content that WWE had. People loved it. It was new. It was original. And it, it had movement. Now, I, I never... They should have, A, never given him a belt. Because it's like... Goes against his character. He doesn't care about shiny gold belts and titles. Okay, whatever. They gave him the belt. They got to make the cool fiend belt. And then they had him lose it to, to, to Goldberg. Out of... With with the the weakest hip toss looking scoop slam jackhammer I've ever seen in my life, and from then on it was just like, what are you doing? Why would you take this character and, and just bury him like that? And now this match is a, a Firefly Funhouse match, isn't it? Yes. Now is it even going to be the Fiend, or is it going to be Bray? It it could be both. You you could I mean they filmed it so like you could yeah they could cut them. you know have them change yeah, cuts and, and stuff like that I'm pretty sure cool. they're gonna do something cool with that I agree I agree with you there I think that um basically when I cringed when you know they did the whole thing with Seth I was like this is way too soon and if you have him go with the title now and have him you know what I mean like he has to win it and if he wins it too soon then basically like the character is dead because you he's going to hold it for a while the novelty is going to wear off with uh fiend and what what bray was doing and then yeah. like now you have it to where he is now even though you know the through line with his stories is basically him facing people who has wronged him in the past and john cena like i remember us talking Remember when uh, Bray Wyatt won the title and then John Cena won it from him in that elimination chamber and how much you hated it? <laughs> it's basically yeah. that. That's basically what it's the rights, the wrongs for that. You know, I, I get it. Uh, now John Cena is in a position where um, he can lose. Like he's John Cena. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I always hate on him, you know, because overused, blah, 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 blah. But he's amazing, and he'll work with anyone. You know, if he wants to take a loss, he'll take a loss. As long as, like, you know, he'll better the wrestler. Like, he's great. And, yeah, he can lose because he has nothing to, you know, no no title. couple more. Uh, now, Goldberg versus Braun Strowman. Do you think that they strap up Braun here? I I randomly saw something on Twitter. So spoiler alert: it had a picture of Braun with the belt. But I mean, just, oh man. but it, it wasn't like a real like real life picture. Like it would be like a promo picture or something. So someone could have photoshopped it too. Like it wasn't like a leak from like the performance center. But like it got me thinking. Like here's Braun, who's another wrestler that if you go online and stuff and you read all the quote unquote dirt sheets and everything, like people want to succeed. Like he had such momentum as like this powerhouse that could fight two guys at once, like Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose with one hand. Like he was using that submission move that choked him out and stuff. And as time went on, it kind of like, they kind of weakened him and weakened him. Then he was more like, a, just like a novelty act. Then you're like, Oh great. He's got the IC title. And they carried that storyline out. And Sammy won that. So it's like, again, it's like the McIntyre thing. Like, you want to see this guy get his shot and finally get, like, the strap. But, like, this how you want to see it? I feel I... But then again, also, it's like, are you going to really buy? And, yeah, wrestling, blah, 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 storylines is not real. But, like, are you really going to buy? How's Goldberg going to beat him? He's not jackhammering him. So you're telling me Braun has to lose his more of his character's strength by losing to a spear? That's going to be a very odd and very peculiar jackhammer attempt. <laughs> maybe, he yeah, wins, like... maybe he wins by the spear. Braun is going to have to help him because Goldberg is not what he used to be. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. This one, is like... inter- this one is interesting to me because I don't know. I literally don't know where this is going to go. Like, like do you... the only thing that I think would even be like plausible would be like, all right, whatever plans you had going forth, like say you wanted Goldberg to keep the belt, who did you picture him feuding with afterwards? Then they have to come in and interfere or something. You know, like... Yeah, but see, the thing thing is, I don't know because, you know, I don't know how long WWE is taped till, and at the same time, usually when you have an After Mania thing, you have the draft, and I don't think there is going to be a draft... For the foreseeable future. So, I mean, it could be. They, you know, they could have it, like, as, like, an after special kind of... Now, you since you have a quote-unquote off-season due to the coronavirus, you can kind of have an, you know, if you want to do it like the NFL or any sports they could, season, they could, like, you could do it. They could, like, play it up, like, on the, on the network, too. Like, have whoever the two people are going to... They don't GMs anymore. So, whoever's going to, like, run the draft, like, put out weekly reports. Like, oh, these are the top three wrestlers we're looking to acquire like you know they could do a whole like try to make a more official type draft yeah 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 that's actually a pretty good idea i uh i really don't know how this one goes because if roman reigns was in the match he's obviously i think he's winning yeah he's gonna he's winning they're taking a thing off goldberg asap if it was roman with goldberg i think it's only a matter of when they take it off him not if uh it was a novelty act, man. It was just a Saudi Arabia novelty act. Yeah, of course. It's just, I don't, hmm. It's a good, hmm. 
I don't know. And now, because of the whole situation with the you know Corona and your shows being messed up, now you're stuck with this novelty act. So hopefully, in the future, this is like a learning lesson too for them. Like maybe we should stop putting these main titles on part timers. I mean, listen. <clears throat> say a, a lot of people say what you want about Brock. Brock he's gotten better. Brock has been putting. He's been doing work, especially the past two years. Like he's been <clears throat> on his arguably his best match run of his career other than going back to like maybe his rookie years with like Kurt Angle and The Rock. Like he's been really putting in work. So And what I like about him too now is uh Drew McIntyre had an interview and uh they were talking about the one raw where like he came out and claimed Brock like three times and it ended up on the uh the stage area and like he hit he hit Brock with the third claymore. And he was he was doing his whole like I'm pumped up and shit like that and like I guess Brock rolled over and like whispered to him like he's like pick up the title he's like yeah, pick yeah, up my yeah. title and show it off yeah I re- yeah I like re- he was he and you don't think of Brock of this kind of guy but like he was helping him like he was giving him idea like yo hey take my title it'll, it'll boost you you know yeah I I mean we will see we will see I and Punk Punk just uh, CM Punk just came out like today or yesterday with the thing saying like talking up Brock Lesnar saying like he's actually like a really awesome dude and I think he called him like a sweetheart at one point and stuff. I'm actually I'm actually shocked that he said that because like CM Punk is really kind of ornery when it comes to talking about wrestling still. Yeah and now he even started off with like I know you're not going to expect me to say something like this he's like but Brock's stand-up guy he's awesome. Yeah talk about a couple more of these matches Sami Zayn and Dan O'Brien for the Intercontinental Championship. This is kind of a dream matchup, though. Like, yeah, no, it's again like two amazing wrestlers, technical, fast. It would definitely the whole match would probably be a nonstop, like keep your attention. Yeah, give this match time. But like a lot of those matches too, you you get the, the crowd energy. Like even watching on TV, you see the crowd react, you hear the crowd react, which gives it that extra little. You know, yeah, that's going to – see, that's the aspect of – that. I mean, we talked about that, but, like, that's the aspect of this WrestleMania that's just going to be weird. Like, you have, like, fireworks at the end of night two or night one, and there's no crowd. Like, people are celebrating, you know, pointing at the sign or, like, they have, like, the big long shot, and yeah. there's going to be, like, no crowd there. <laughs> like, it's going to be – you know, granted, if like Becky and Shayna, I think it's gonna be, it could be Becky and Shayna at at the end, and like be- say if Becky wins, she's gonna be like yeah, and then like, you know, it's nothing. just gonna be nothing, <laughs> nothing. Um, all right. One, like, who who played that up? Someone at one of the the show, I think it was Stone Cold. Yeah, at, at one point, and he was like, "Give me a hell yeah" or something, and like pointed the mic to the empty arena and shit. See that that's one of the that's that's one of the instances where it works where you can get away with that for a whole. Yeah, show, it was TV though. Yeah, it, it was a raw. Show, yeah, for a whole show. Don't no. Know. Like, <sighs> you, you you can't like win your match and you know most people like to step up on the middle rung or whatever, put their arm like you can't like you can't do that because it's like dude, there's no one there. Uh one more. Let's let's go. Edge and Randy Orton. Again, see all these great matches. 
let down by the situation. And plus, I, I, I feel like Edge wins, like, because he's not, like, full-time, right? Like, this, like, is his one, like, kind of one-and-done situation, I feel it was supposed to be. He, well, I mean, he said that he wanted to stick around and teach the young guys. He is 46, but he's in great shape. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think his deal is for him to work the bigger, like, the bigger pay-per-views, which is cool. Uh, you kind of have like an Undertaker role. Yeah. And if he could still go, I mean, I'm just happy to see him back. Like that no, role like, moment was, especially with the heaviness of like, I got Kobe excited Bryant for that in the way that weekend, and to see him and to kind of like see him like get emotional when he heard the crowd and have him yeah, have that went in the ring and moment. cleared house with like five spears in a row, and then he meets Orton, and it's like, oh god, you would have never thought kind of like, the... you would have never th- we never thought that that was ever gonna happen because I was like neck injury, he's done, you know, well, more more of. Less of a surprise though, because of Daniel Bryan coming back, you know. True, it's just anything is possible. Uh, but yeah, no, like I haven't really been that excited for like WWE stuff in a while. When Edge came out at the Rumble, I was like, yes. <laughs> to me, okay, so for me, because I think Randy work is going to put his working boots on. This is going to be the match of the night for uh, whatever night it falls on. It's going to be the match of the weekend for me. It has one of the best buildups. Storyline goes back real far. Oh yeah, I so last thoughts on Mania. Um, anything you like want to say here? Anything? You, it, I mean, I know it's a weird. It's weird. It's just a weird time. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna turn it on. I'm gonna give it a chance. I have no expectations whatsoever, which could be a good thing. But I just hope that. A lot of these guys like work their asses off for years for this opportunity in this spot that like say what you want about wrestling being fake and all that stuff. They're still athletes. They're still performers. And like they bust it out of most. They, they barely get any days off. And it's like, I hope at least for them, this is what not what they wanted, but you know, this is how I, I just hope it's okay for like with them. Like can you, you can see it in wrestlers faces. Like, when they wrestle, like outcomes of matches, you could see mm-hmm. if like a, a guy's really like disappointed in it. But I just, I just hope it works for them because they deserve it. it. It may be you know these uh, work finishes or like they're predetermined, but it's still a career. Uh, guys still put their bodies on the line, and I hope you know. Fingers crossed if there's even going to be a SummerSlam because I know Money in the Bank in May is pretty much a. It, no go. Yeah, like you pretty much say that. that's not gonna happen. But like when it comes around in the fall, something like that, like everybody gets their moment, you know. And I think if you don't get the turnout that you want and finishes here with this WrestleMania, I think down the road, you know, maybe in the fall when coronavirus hopefully like there's a treatment for it or we could get better testing, that's where you're gonna see a lot of the title changes and then like things get in front of the crowd again because the crowd makes a lot of these moments you know what i mean like it's, yeah you know i've watched some wrestling especially because you know i i do you know war report uh, that podcast with nxt and AEW, and while it's cool it doesn't feel the same it's just no. you know it's just like uh it just doesn't it doesn't have the bite like it usually does you just know something's missing yeah I just 
hopefully we can get it back soon. Let's talk about some aliens now. Um, Let's go. These tri- okay, so first of all, these trilogies of films, okay? Alien, you had Ridley Scott direct. Then Aliens, you had James, James Cameron, Cameron, my man. And then Alien 3, you had David Fincher. You have a amazing three-peat of directors, even though... And some cinematic greats. Yeah, even though, you know, David Fincher got kind of cut off at the knees by the studio um, for, you know, Alien 3. So Alien came out... So the first Alien came out in 1979. And this mm-hmm. this movie is basically more of a horror film. Yes, uh, I agree with that. Do you remember the first time, like, you ever saw the trailer? Like, one of these... Okay, so that poster right there with the egg cracking and alien and like in space no one can hear you scream that is one of the best taglines in movie history yeah i agree it's, it's an eye catcher the glowing green like it's a real dark poster but you have like the glowing green spots in it, it definitely draws you in and again like i said earlier that i actually ended up seeing aliens first at a very young age and because of that i think it kind of desensitized me a little bit because I was never scared of like monsters or anything after that. So I, as a young kid, was a huge fan of horror movies. Like every time we went to the video store, I'd be in that section looking at just the box art and stuff. And that's when I realized there were there's more than just aliens. There was the first one, Alien, because you saw all the box art and that egg. That egg stood out and I was like, got to see that too. So the first movie, I mean, the budget was, it's crazy, this 8 to 14 million. They, like the everything with the face hugger and the chestburster was done on a very slow mm-hmm. budget, but like the movie made two hundred three million. Like that's amazing yeah. for nineteen seventy nine. What is so for Alien? What is basically some of your favorite scenes from that movie? You got to remember. You got to remember, like the first kill doesn't really happen until hour, like your past hour one. Like it's very, yeah. it's a it's very all slow burn movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's good because a lot of movies these days kind of skip that character development. And like, I'm not talking main character. I'm talking about like all the characters because in all these movies, there's not one. Oh, of course you have Ridley, but even the supporting casts in every single one of these movies in the trilogy, I feel they did a really good job of giving them a personality and it shows in just the beginning of Alien because you have that time before, you know, they say shit pops off that you got to see in a little bit into each and every character. Like, you kind of get a feeling of why they're there and who they are. And I think that's missing in movies these days sometimes because people want, like, the real fast action, Michael Bay, boom, 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 let's get into it. And you lose, like... And this is before, it's like, CG, all CGI, all special effects and stuff, so... I think it really helps paint the picture when you go deep into characters first. Yeah, I I mean, of course, Ellen Ripley is the star of the show. You know what I mean? Like Sigourney Weaver does a great job in basically progressing her character throughout these three movies. But in terms of the first movie, you meet Dallas. He's the captain. You meet Lambert. Yeah. Brett, uh, Brett. See, the first movie made her the main character for the next coming movies, I feel. Yeah, because... Because when this this movie starts, you don't feel like there's a main character. I feel like it's more... 
on Dallas at first. And then, and then like, of course, the stuff with Kane because he, you know, gets the face hugger. And there's even with that, like, it's it's a slow burn. It doesn't necessarily happen. Yeah, because they retrieve him, bring him back, and then he's in Med Bay for a while. And you kind of move on from that. And it goes back to the character development of the others. Yeah, and then they, you know, they try to cut the face hugger, and then you find out it has acidic blood, and then, like, the chestburster scene doesn't really happen for another 20 minutes, which I... It's a family dinner. (laughs) Which is probably one of the the famous, you know, scenes in horror movie history. How did you feel when you saw the Xenomorph for the first time? I loved it, and I loved it so much that I researched it, and the man who created the... The, the xenomorph hr geiger became my favorite artist and it's, it was it was so it was evil but futuristic and i loved the the movies so much that i used to actually read the uh graphic novels the comic books and stuff and i loved how each alien people don't realize is different because it takes on the livelihood in the form of whatever host it comes out of yeah you'll see and i think You'll see that in two and three too. Mm-hmm. And you see it evolve from that. Like this was the basic human-born xenomorph. But man, the the two mouths that at that time it was that was such a amazing artistic, creepy, scary thing. Like the drool hanging out the little mouth after it comes out the big mouth. And a fun fact: the teeth. I always thought the teeth were cool because they were almost translucent almost and the thing behind that was they were originally going to make the aliens more see-through and then they went against that and they gave them more like dark skin and stuff but they kept the teeth but the whole alien was supposed to look that translucent i love how you know if you look at the xenomorph and kind of like the makeup of it like this huge head and like how it can crawl the tail and the tail and everything like that i love how basically it can sneak up on you like it's stealthy. Yeah. Like it doesn't really quote unquote tear you apart until it gets right up on you. Like there was a lot of like walking around and then like it crawling up in you know, dark spaces and then like the hiss. Yeah, this this huge this huge creature that you think would be making a sound at least. The hiss. Nothing. And I feel like you know Ridley Scott could have made this a quote unquote like slasher movie. A little bit like that, just like a regular monster movie. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, just make it real, space. super over the top, gory. You know, rips the head off, throws it at somebody, or... you know, things like that. But it, do- it doesn't. Like a lot of these kills happen off screen. Like mm-hmm. Lambert, uh, you know, it sneaks up on Lambert, and then like all you see of Lambert is just a piece of the leg. You know, it's, yeah. it's a little bit more jarring than to see like. And back know, then it. In the darker movies, that's what I I loved. Like you actually almost have to like think of what happened yourself. And it's always like with horror movies, it's always your imagination that kind of scares you the most. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So like you're looking at this like space exploration thing, and you're like, wow, like you know what I mean, like maybe this is creepy. This is very creepy. I, I my. Th- my favorite scene from the first movie, I still think of it every now and then, was uh, when they were looking, they were searching, they split up, 
And one guy went to look for Jonesy. And also, Jonesy is the biggest villain in all these movies. Because every time you see Jonesy, people die. <laughs> every single time. Or something bad happens. But anyway, this, the scene with the room where the there was the hole in the roof, so the water was coming down, but all the long chains were hanging down. Mm-hmm. And the aliens started climbing down the chains, still making no noise. And it pulls the guy up. And you don't know what happened. Like, you have to, like... I mean, you know what happened, but... You know, it's, it's more of like it was dark. You can't really see the kills, and also when they're in the air vent, and it's like you see it flash, run one way, turn around, you see it flash and run the other way. It leaves a lot to the imagination. Like it, it mm-hmm. now look at it juxtaposed because we'll talk about this on another episode. Uh, Predator, Predator is a lot more brutal. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Alien is like I said, like just the kind of like the stealthness it's of the, the kills. Worst- it's psychological more... horror thriller, but tied into a futuristic space movie. Now, when we talk now talking about the sequel, Aliens, it's a different movie because it's more of a science fiction film. Oh yeah, action! You got all them colonial marines, the smart guns, the pulse rifles, flamethrowers, yeah, tanks. It's definitely like. It's funny how they utilize, like, these Marines with all this tech armor and, like, all these up-to-date, like, firearms and guns and everything like that. And they still can't do jack shit against the aliens. Like, they all almost end up dying. Like, it's, mm-hmm. like I said, like, I think j- what's funny about this is James Cameron, this was his second movie. Uh, he had just done The Terminator. And, of yep. course, like, he was doing this overseas, and a lot of the U.K. production staff, like, they gave him a lot of shit. Like, they were very uh, difficult. Like, you know, if you hear James Cameron in uh, interviews when he talks about this movie, like, it was a very difficult process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, even with, like, the score with the, uh, the late James Horner, like, he did a lot of the scoring within two or three days, like Bishop's countdown, which you hear almost in every single trailer in the nineties. Like it was done oh, yeah. within a day. Um, how did you like the tonal shift in this movie? What is more of a sci-fi? This is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I loved it because it, it didn't, it wasn't too over the top that it pushed out the same eerie scariness of the first one, I feel because again, another one of the, just like the first one, nothing really pops off till later on in the movie. So you have this character buildup, they get in there. And once they actually get into the hive area, it gives you more of that alien feeling. Things are quiet and then shit pops off and then they're the hunted ones. But I thought it was great because in all three of these movies, it's the same feel, the same, you know, you're up against the same type of bad guy, but the atmosphere and the whole settings are completely different that I think it really worked. Especially uh, when you hear, like, the, the, the background stories, like, once they find Newt and you hear about the colonists and all that. And for the longest time, there was always the rumors whistling that James Cameron was going to come back and do, like, a direct prequel to Aliens so you could see what happened to the colonists and all that stuff, well, which then, I like, really turn- wanted. Then, like, Terminator 2 happened, and then, like, The Abyss. So, yeah. Like, he was, like, <laughs> it was off to the races then. Uh, yeah, but then they started talking about that again a couple of years ago, that they might go back and do that. Which then I was kind of like, don't mess with it too much. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, 
if anybody does that, it would be Ridley Scott. And here's the thing. I don't know what the status is because Fox no longer owns it. Disney does. So Yeah, which is horrible. 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 I, uh, yeah, Disney owns the Aliens franchise, which I... I mean, I've seen I hope it. we never see until something happens with that. I hope we never see another Aliens movie because well, I, I mean, if Disney wants to build up Hulu, I would have an Aliens series done. I, I would have, I would definitely utilize. Disney has so many properties that like Hulu would just be brimming with, you know. First of all, it has to be good quality, and I would rather want Sigourney Weaver and you know. Maybe I have heard directed produce it or something like James Cameron involved. Uh, if you know Ridley Scott doesn't want to, but like it, I don't know. Disney, they're they're having troubles right now, especially with a lot of delays. So I don't. Uh, um, yeah. With the aliens, but... okay. So with the aliens director's cut, like Ridley has a daughter and she dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, she's the old picture, and she, it's actually her mom in real life, I believe, in that picture. Yes. Uh. It was nominated for seven Academy Awards. Uh, Sigourney Weaver was nominated for Best Actress, uh, which was pretty cool. Uh, Best Direction and Writing with James Cameron. Uh, Bill Paxton was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Actor, like it's crazy. Like you think of a sci-fi movie, and you're like, wow, this, you know, this was nominated yeah. for Academy Awards and thing like that. It a made, it, and it's what's even crazier that it less it made a little bit less money than. Uh, Alien did. It made like $183 million. And a lot of people still regard it as one of the greatest sequels of all time. I'm rightfully uh, like, just think of the scenes where, you know, uh, I think Rid- Ripley becomes the badass here. You know, yeah, but becomes- at the same time, too, she becomes the ultimate badass, but she also becomes the mother. Yeah, she takes care of Newt. Uh, like you've never seen that side of her either yeah like I love the scene where you know she stumbles upon the queen and they have that little moment where you know all the eggs are about to open she points the flamethrower at him yeah and then like the queen tells like the the worker uh, xenomorphs to kind of go back and then the back up yeah and then Mm -hmm. like you know one of the eggs open and she just torches everything and then that goes on to the grenade launcher (laughs) Yeah, this whole long thing where, you know, you think you get rid of them, get rid of the queen alien, but you don't. Like she, yeah, you know, and then the bishop countdown things, and then you know the whole where she fights her on the rig with the whole you know get away from her, you bitch. Like you know, like it's yeah, that's that's a a scene that even if you like you're not a huge aliens fan, but you're a, a fan of horror movies and sci-fi movies, you you know that line. <laughs> So what do you think about like Paul Reiser as like Burke? Because Way Wayland Utani is always in the background when it comes to these movies. Like they're the evil corporation. Yeah, no, it was great. And I liked I liked one of my one of the actors that people don't really give much credit to also the character was Gorman. He always saw Gorman, who was more the company man Marine, with Burke. And then you saw Gorman kind of transform more into a Marine by the end when he has that moment with the uh, Vasquez in the tunnel before they kill themselves to make sure everyone else could get away, you know? And then she was always like, I knew you were always an asshole Gorman and she pulls the pin and they hold hands and boom. But Paul Reiser as Burke was amazing. 
because anything else I ever remembered him from was like funny, more uplifting. Yeah. But he played the first like uh, that I've seen like in the cinemas. Like he was the, the first douchebag. Like he was the company man. Like he didn't care about any of them. He didn't care about Ripley. He didn't care about new the Marines. Like he was the ultimate sleazeball. Yeah, and another, I mean, another great performance was uh, Lance Hen- Hendrickson as Bishop as the oh, android. Yeah. I thought it was cool. And of course, Bill Paxton as Private Hudson. <laughs> like the the whole scene where they're doing like the knife thing, you know that. <laughs> that was amazing, and even to this day, and like you see people do like you know YouTube clips for like funny gamer moments or something. They'll still use the audio. Game over, man. Game over. Like. <laughs> And that is on counting itself. And what was cool, and people don't realize, in that knife scene, was Bishop actually puts his hand over Burks because, as the androids always tell you, that they're not ever allowed to harm another human. So that knife trick should have went flawlessly because of that. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, like James Cameron, he, you know, he supposedly drew inspiration for from the Vietnam War, right? Like, you know, what I mean, like the U.S. was like the techno technological like superior oh, yeah, they, they, they should have went in there and you know smoked everybody we're gonna kill these aliens and well well it didn't really happen either and it, it also like oddly enough uh, he also uh, cited starship troopers as a uh, influence as well really and, yeah the whole bug hunt and then the, the oh yeah okay like bugs that. yeah 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 what I really liked which I found out a little while later after you know being a fan for so long was that the uh and this is what i love about james cameron and the alien movies again about the character development the whole scene where the marines first wake up and have breakfast and you show them like goofing around with each other and whatever that was the last film scene because james cameron said he wanted everyone to actually know each other and build relationships and have the chemistry before they shot that oh yeah they actually had like the the cast had to like stay together to build that camaraderie with each other Mm-hmm. So I thought it was dope. And you could, it definitely you could definitely tell within the whole movie. Like you know what I mean? Like it feels like they were actually in war. Huh? Well, and on a funny note, which I also just realized, and it's also another James Cameron tie-in was Vasquez is also in Terminator Two, which I never knew until recently. Yes, she was uh, the mom, the stepmom, right? or the, the foster mother. Yeah, never knew that till recently. <laughs> well. We have to get to Alien 3, which is a mishmash of studio getting involved and, you know, like, the script kind of getting held up. And uh, I I mean, I look at this movie a little bit more fondly with the whole, like, director's assembly cut. It it's definitely a different movie, but the theatrical cut is just kind of all over the place. Like they shot without a script. There were different screenwriters. Like, yeah, this was David Fincher's first movie, him directing. And the thing with this was, I loved it though. I loved the whole feel of it because you went from aliens, which was a whole like battle Marines and all this stuff to a prison planet it's like where you have no weapons you have nothing so you almost go all the way back to alien the field because now you're isolated with one alien again 
but you can't kill it because you have no weapons. Plus, you're stuck as a female. They have the whole part with rapists, murderers, convicts, the worst of the worst. So I thought that, as the whole original setup, was just genius. Well, okay, so how do you feel about them killing off Newt? I, I think it had to happen to build her character to what she needed to be in that movie. Cause like they talk about her being like the baddest of the badasses and aliens. Now she loses everything again. And she's kind of lost all hope. It's just like, what do I have to lose? Which makes her even more, you know, gutsy, as you say, her just running at the thing with an ax to try to get killed. And she realizes, you know, she can't get killed because of the queen. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think it added it added to the dark overtone because you rarely see kids die in movies. Now they didn't really show it, but well, they they do you know, the they do the autopsy on new. Yeah, that was that that was kind of a rough scene, you know. Yeah, because she's wondering like if she because you saw like the face hugger and she's like I, I'm hoping you know she didn't die that way and then you the whole thing where they're doing the uh, autopsy and she's like you know. Can you open her chest? And we, yeah, yeah. And, with that prehistoric bone saw. Yeah, it's rough. And, like, you essentially what, you know, she's losing another daughter. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, That's she just, her whole new family. Like, she had the new boyfriend. She had, you know, her new android friend, her new daughter, all taken. Yeah, even with Bishop, like, he, you know, towards the middle of the movie, he's like, you know, put me out of my misery. I don't want to, you know, basically, mm-hmm. she has to killed that yeah, he's all too. smashed up yeah she had to take him out and he became kind of like a like a father figure but you know someone who looked at looked after her yeah it's like she's kind of going through her old dark night of the soul thing like the whole movie mm-hmm. it basically color wise it's all gray and like brownish yeah. it's all dark you know like and I, even uh the book i don't know if you read the book but as books usually are better but it was the same feel that you got like all hope dies here. So we, I mean, we've talked about the camaraderie with a lot of the cast. Like, how do you feel about the prisoners? Like with like Charles S. Dutton and like Charles Dance, Morse, like as Leonard. I feel Morse was one of the best characters in any of the Alien movies because you see him in the beginning as just like the smart ass who would dig at the that's the warden, the assistant warden, and all that. But at the end of the movie, he sacrificed himself so that Ripley could do what she needed to do. Like, he lived, but, like, he didn't care about getting shot. Like, he showed his his more personal side. He was human. He wanted to do the right thing, finally. It was kind of redemption for some of these guys, which you saw in their characters. More so in the book, but even in the movie. Each person kind of had their own redemption arc and how they were going to deal with this. Yeah, I... Okay, so... Of course, we got to talk about, you know, Ripley and the way she died. Uh... How do you, basically with her having, you know, the chest burster and everything like that, like, how do you feel how they, like, killed her off? Basically giving her, like, a, a hero's, like, send-off. You know, of course, like... Viking well, funeral, almost. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it was, kind of, like, oddly enough, like, I thought, because you remember Terminator 2, where like the T one thousand Arnold Schwarzenegger goes, and he goes down, lava. thumbs up, and the thumbs up at the end, going down with the chain. Yeah, yeah. I felt like that was a little bit. It, it was a little bit more, like reminiscent of this. 
Kind of. Yeah, I, I think it could have been filmed a little better. But I did appreciate the one little fact where after, like, the chestburster came out, she kind of, like, she almost nestled it. Yeah, like, well, we've been through this for years together. We're going out together. Kind of, like, weird motherly connection to this creature that's been causing her so much torment for these years. Yeah, because, like, you you got to figure, like, she's been, they've been through so much, like, you know, the quote-unquote the aliens and her has been through so much throughout her life, and she's lost so much. She's lost two daughters at this point. So, yeah, like, I think she even makes a like, comment in one of the movies, like, this is all I remember or something like that. Yeah, so, like, you have that, and it, it also, it, of course, it's like an alien queen growing inside her, so you... you you know, she sacrifices herself, and it's mostly, you know, it's a through line through throughout the whole three movies. Even though this movie maybe feel a little disjointed, at least I felt like Ripley's arc was kind of completed. And it, it was the only way that it could have been, you know, done with her dying. Yeah, and I would have been fine if that was it. But then they try to bring her back, and I'm not get too much into it. But you know, the clone form—if if they would have found any other way to get that alien DNA, I would have been fine with it. But the, the whole clone thing and stuff kind of ruined the ending of three for me. Oh, man, we're gonna talk about resurrection like the the next episode yeah. that we do. Yeah. But like, but also like that tunnel chase in three at the end, like you never really saw anything done like that before. And it was the first time they put you in first person of the alien. True. And I thought that was so cool, like running up the walls, running upside down. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's still some good stuff here. There, you know, with it went back to. I felt like it went back to its horror roots a little bit. Yeah, because again, it was all dark, scary, isolated. Like I said, like you're a bunch you... of tough guy rapist murders, but all your buddies are just getting picked off one by one. Yeah, like even with all these problems, like there's still a lot of stuff that you could, you could like, especially with like the assembly cut. Like I don't know if you saw it. Have you seen the assembly cut? But like I've seen all the cuts, and the one thing about that though I didn't like was they changed the origin of the alien. Ah, uh, yes, they which did. didn't, which did not make sense for the lore, because this alien originally came from a dog, hence why it runs on all fours. It's got the waggly tail for balance. It's slimmer. More aerodynamic. But in the other cut, it came from one of the dead boar things they used on the planet to, like, tow stuff. Yeah, it was but then still, But then they still kept the alien as it was. It wouldn't have come out. Like, technically, if you're supposed to keep with what it's supposed to do, it would have been a stronger, bulkier, slower type of alien. Yeah, I don't... That, that's It's weird because when you look at that dog scene, it, I re- immediately kind of thought of the thing. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, when they changed it to the ox and the assembly cut, I was like, what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it goes back to... It's less dramatic, too, because you saw a dog, like, convulsing and convulsing and whimpering, and the ox was just kind of like, okay. Yeah, like, um, because when he, go, when he initially goes and checks on, on him, like, you see, like, the dog, like... It, it's his pet, too. That was that guy's pet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he touches him, he... You know, it looks like, like the, you know, the face hair got to him. Boy, what, like, what oh, happened okay. to you, boy? Yeah, happened? Yeah. And, then, and then, I mean, there's... He thought another convict fucked him up. There, There's a weird intercut in this movie where they're doing, like, the... Uh, kind of like the funeral, <laughs> funeral ceremony for Newt. 
and the, the dropping of the bodies. Body, yeah, the dropping of the bodies interspliced with the dog transforming. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the whole like you know when one person dies, something else is reborn. It even was in the scripture that was being read at the funeral. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can I can see it that way. Yeah, because um, if you if you listen to the scripture, he's saying too, it's all about rebirth. But he's more talking about rebirth in an afterlife. But this time, like Runcy says, like I forget the last line of it. He's talking, like rebirth and go forward. That's when the chestburster finally comes out and gives its first little like hiss thing. True. You know, I didn't. I thought of that way, but I thought, I was, all right, maybe I'm thinking a little too deep. But you know what? That I can see it. Um. So, how would you rank the the trilogy? My personal best, I mean, definitely Aliens, top, number one, by far. And one and three could go either way because sometimes I feel like I like three more just because it's more current. And Alien was maybe a little more outdated when I saw it because I saw it second. Plus, I mean, I had the book, too, of Alien 3, which I really enjoyed. So I'd have to go Aliens, Alien 3, Alien right behind it. Even though, again, amazing movie. I will go Aliens... Alien, and then Alien 3. Uh, talking about it, I do look at Alien 3 a little bit more fonder now. Because at first I was like, I hated it. But then I then I saw like the two cuts, and then I'm like, okay, I think I think I see what David Fincher was trying to get at. And there was a lot of studio like meddling with the scripts and everything like mm-hmm. that. Um, I look at it a little bit more fond. Aliens is one of you know, other with The Godfather 2, one of the greatest sequels, I think, ever. Uh, Alien, I just think, edges it out a little bit for me because... No, I definitely from, understand from, it, a horror, from a horror standpoint, I just mm-hmm. think it was one of the most revolutionary horror mo- movies of that time. You know, Agreed. Like, I just think that it knocked it out of the park. Especially it being from 1979. Like, Yeah, it still, still can hold up. up. Yeah, It still holds up, you know, today. Uh, I mean, you could put that on for someone who doesn't really even care about aliens and stuff like that, and they might not care about the movie, but they'll still get scared. Well, I mean, if you look at things like Underwater that just came out, or like even like Cloverfield or Event Horizon, and think you know, like Alien was really the precursor for that. You know, like the space age, like horror bred movies. I, I think that Alien did a really good job, kind of setting the stage for those movies like coming out and you know just naming a couple i yeah you know, and also they did the whole like don't show too much yeah there's no think, you know, the trailer has no sound you know it's just like a, like a heartbeat or something like yeah. or like so one of the best creepiest sounds i think in that whole entire thing like if you just like listen to it in a dark room or something is the pulse monitors from aliens yeah boom, boom. The whole scene where they're like 20 meters, 15 meters. No, that can't be right, man. That's in the room, man. And they open up the, the ceiling and they're all just all bunched together, crawling in the tight little ceiling duck. Yeah, I think. Um, here's the thing. I With horror movies, especially that, you know, I'm a like, you know, I love my horror. Yeah, you're the of... aficionado. Where horror movies go wrong and where I feel is that they show way too much in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Either that, right? Or there's too much exposition in the horror movies where you explain too much or the scares, like, 
take a look at uh, let's just say like a horror movie Z or stuff like that you can usually tell like when the sound drops out and like somebody looks around in the room you can tell when the scare is coming yeah you're like okay they're gonna turn back around it's gonna be right there aliens like it pauses a little bit and even though yeah. like it, it's or they also do like fake scares like remember like like I, I, they do that they, they you know sound cut they look one way they come another way and one of the glass pods falls and breaks but there's nothing there but then a couple seconds later there's an alien somewhere else where you did not expect it to be yeah it's it creates a atmosphere where like you're like oh that's you know what i mean like that's uh Sca- you know, scalpel falling over. Oh shit! There's an alien. You know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah. oh, like oh my god! Like here's the xenomorph. Uh, you know, like it really made the xenomorph kind of lo- this larger in life and just not just a regular monster. That's why mm-hmm. you know, alien is as a whole. And they're so smart too. They're so smart. Yeah, as a whole, like as you see, like. Basically, it, you know, going from the first movie where they don't really know how to deal with it. Second movie, they're like, oh, we'll just go guns a blazing and still don't know how to deal with it. And then the third movie where basically... They kind of knew how to deal with it more than the Marines. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you still have, like, a bunch of, like, killers and rapists in, in, in that prison where you think that, you know, they would be the most brutal and gruesome. Still didn't know what to do with the Xenon. Mm-hmm. So I love, like, this whole thing where the alien kind of just outsmarts everybody except for Ripley because Ripley kind of grows stronger as these movies as a protagonist. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's why I, I love them because it, a lot of movies like especially horror movies they they don't give credit sometimes to like quote unquote the monster. It's just, you know, it kills because it kills. It's not smart. It's just vicious. But you got to see like especially in 2 how they they like a smart working unit when there's especially more than like one of them yeah um yeah i think that's it that's that's our show uh brad will be back we are going to talk uh, about alien resurrection we're going to talk about alien versus predator and alien versus predator requiem requiem next uh i, I know that <laughs> you don't look too fondly on alien resurrection i do have um i thought it could have been a really good movie, and it just wasn't. And we'll get into it. But every time I'd even just like hear it, I just think of like Sideshow Bob walking through the field of rakes, and just, it has me. Oh, yeah, it's very, oh. it's very much a move of cash grab. But we'll talk about that more in the next episode. When we bring you back on, Brad. Where can people find you? Uh, it's social media, the Twitter, Instagram. I go by Aborted Enigma. It is my artist name. You can find me on there. All right. And as always, you can find us at deadscreen.net on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Uh, Brad, I just want to thank you for coming on, talking with me here. About no, it's a great time. And I uh, I look forward to our future content about this. So like, like and subscribe us. Uh, we're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere. Uh, until next time, we will be talking to you soon.